Well, welcome back to Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Joey. Hello. And Ross. Hi, Mike. And Tom is still out and about in Australia. I was almost going to try to do an Australian accent, and I didn't want to fail. So I <laughs> just like... Whew. Skirt that one. Uh, but anyways, uh, can't wait for Tom to be back. And I'd be really interested in what Tom would say about this topic. But but we'll suffice for but, now. Yeah, you two are okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think when he comes back, we'll have an episode that's all his feedback to what we said. Yeah, him. yeah. Everything yeah, we said. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, you know. Tom's now, interjections. So this came about because I was listening to a different podcast, uh, Sam Harris's podcast, which I can't remember the name of now. He interviewed Barbara Tversky. And she is, and I don't know exactly the term, but a psychologist of some sort, researcher. She has a book about how we think. And she's really interested in the idea that movement is um, a really important part of how we think, how we understand things, how we remember things. A quick example that if people, if someone gives you directions and they move their hands while they're telling you, you're going to remember better. Even though you're not the one who moved, it's, but your brain, you know, processed it with the mirror neurons or whatever and I don't understand any of it but it made sense when she said it mm-hmm. one of the things she talked about was how much she loves comic books because it implies when you go from one panel to the next all this movement and things happen but they're not told in words it's just you understand in your brain this panel relates to this panel mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some way or sometimes it's just I'm now looking from above or I'm right. looking from, this was from the person sitting at the desk, now it's the person sitting across from that right. person. It's like mental mapping. Mental mapping, yeah. And she talked about how important that was. And she thinks that comic books are thought of as a lower form of reading, that mm-hmm. they're not taught in schools. And yet she thinks that because they deal with mental uh, maps, they should be used more often. Mm-hmm. And that books should be written more um, in that way. And I was thinking about picture books because that's, you know, the... The main world. form I use, and realizing how complicated they actually are, and how two-year-olds understand the movement that's not shown or even talked about. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example here. So this is the book Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day by Judith Viorst, who also is a psychologist, I think. But here it is. He's in the lunchroom at school, and he, Philip Parker you know, um, had a Hershey's bar and Paul's mother gave him a jelly roll, but he didn't have any dessert in his lunch. Turn the page. He's at the dentist. There's a picture. Clearly the dentist is standing there and they're in a dentist's office. So he was just in a lunchroom at a table and now he's in the dentist's office. And all it says is after school, my mom took us to the dentist and Dr. Fields found a cavity. We have no idea how he got to the dentist. We, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. then suddenly you turn the page again they're out on the street or next to the street where the cars are parked. So it's a city where they're parked, you know, on the street. And then you turn the page again. Oh, they're still on the street for the next page. But then the next one, they're at a shoe store. And like thinking, I could read that to a three-year-old and they're never going to say, wait, how did they get to the shoe store? Yeah. Right. Are they time traveling? Are they time traveling? Or is it yeah. a different day? What's did, going on? Yeah, yeah. And it's clearly these, it's Alexander going through his day. He, in this case, you probably assume a car because it starts with him in a carpool going to school. Although I bet for a child who, you know, lives in a city where they take the bus to things, 
that child might assume, oh, he got on the right. bus with his mom right. and now they're at the shoe store. Right. And right. either way, it doesn't really relate to the story. But the child isn't confused, like, whoa, right. what happened? The whole world changed. Right. And even I was going to try to look for like a, a board book for, you know, that'd be written more towards toddlers. I mean, there are those board books that are really just the book written for a five-year-old and they right. put it in a hard in a yeah. board book format. But but I didn't <laughs> before this podcast. But I do think that I see two and a half year old, three year olds t understanding that. And I just thought it was so interesting. Like, what is that telling me about how much a child understands movement mm -hmm. to not have to articulate it? And I think mm -hmm. we tend to think we have to put things in words. So like, yeah. why did you throw that block? Mm -hmm. And we need the child to explain it in words rather than emotions and actions. You know, rather than, oh, wow, you seem really mad. You threw that block. Mm -hmm. um, and just wondering, like, how much is going through a child's brain? I didn't actually plan what the conversation's about. I just was, I'm still at that point of just hearing this interview with her and yeah. how she's talking about, I guess the biggest thing she said was, we can watch an infant and there's so much more we could learn if we just thought of their movement as showing what their brain is doing, how they're thinking. Mm -hmm. and that that never changes through our lifetime right? right that we always could watch movement and like what is this what's going through this person's brain based on the way they're moving um gesturing things like that right and how does that help the brain like how do we we communicate so much more through uh, motion and we have that you know texting we had to create emojis right um you know, and without it, I don't know how many of you, I've had the experiences of saying something to someone and they're, you know, like they took it totally right, wrong. because yeah. you didn't put the right emoji in there. Yeah. yeah. Or there wasn't one. So they yeah. read it, then they read it and they, re they, they, heard, they inferred, they heard the different. sarcastic tone where you were sending it yeah. and the excited tone. Yeah, the one I can think of right. is the opposite where someone right. said, oh, heard you on the radio. Uh, nice singing. Yeah. And I had already been cognizant of we missed the harmonies like yeah. right. in the performance and thought he was being sarcastic. Like, right. Right. Yeah. You know, the monitors were, you know, he's like, right. no, I actually meant it. Right. Like, right. Right. <laughs> but I totally took it like, whoa. Yeah. So I don't know. Did... Yeah. No, I'm just I'm, I'm digesting because I do think there's a lot there's a lot there. Or it's a very interesting. Again, I mean, because the other thing I've been reading about and I can't tell you an author because you hopefully know by now I can't ever remember that. But the other mental map that we, I mean, so we have mental maps of spaces. Yeah. And so, yes, we don't, we have a, I mean, developmentally at the right times, we have an, you know, the object permanence kind of right, comes right. into mind yeah, yeah. of like mm -hmm. that things don't just disappear, that it's, it might be under mm -hmm. something or. Right. I oh, still have legs, even though yeah, I'm sitting behind this my table. My mom left right. the room, but I have a vague sense that, that she's in the she other exists. room. She yeah. didn't disappear, you know, so that's certainly kind of, I think, kind of tied to, to movement or yep. our mapping of. Of objects and objects in Yeah, because I'm actually talking about the movement in the brain this time, right? I guess right. I'm not yeah. talking about... But I mean, oh, but then you say, oh, um, the to the, to the toddler, oh, you know, your ball rolled under the couch right. or something like that, you know, and, and the the kid has a map of, oh, I can crawl over and reach under right, the couch. Right. I mean, yeah, so that's yeah. where you're coming in with this. There is a, there's a whole map in the brain of, mm -hmm. of the spaces of the that, and the movement and yeah, the spaces yeah. that we're familiar with. There's also a map in the brain of our own bodies yeah, yeah and that's how we kind of know yeah. anything right because right. we know where we are in space and we yeah. know that that signal is coming from my stomach and i'm hungry you know what i mean so that yep. there's kind of these two 
two maps that worked together. Right. Um, yeah, and you know what? I don't know, I don't, I don't know the so what, but that's what yeah. it's making me yeah, think Yeah, and of. it's funny because Barbara Tversky, one of the things she talks about is uh, preschool drawings. Uh, uh -huh. She calls them the tad tadpole. Mm -hmm. People, when they have the circle... Like the giant yes. head and then the arms, yes. legs. And she said that and oftentimes there'll be lots of fingers. Yeah. And she was talking about, from her point of view, they're drawing the things that if yes. you looked at a brain, what has yes. the most neuron connections? Yes. Yeah. So obviously the head, hands. Arms and legs. Arms, you know, yeah. the arms and legs, but not like feet. Right. You know, or the, your back doesn't really... <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. you, she was talking about an experiment where you, if you take two pencils... And poke someone's hand, they can right. tell they're two points. If right. you do it on the you back, more, you it, it more, feels like one yeah, sensory input. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So like just yeah. that idea of the things that have the most sensory input and like connection in the brain are the things kids draw bigger. Right. And they draw it that way. And eventually they kind of draw it more like the way you see it. But mostly it's this mental mapping that's happening internally and that's how they're drawing. Yeah. Well and it's I mean it's all, yeah, it's just how you get concepts, right? So I mean yeah, it's, it's just interesting you're pairing it with, with books and this idea of, of literacy because, yes, eventually the words come. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get the vocabulary, you get mm -hmm. the ability to express yourself and things like that. But, I mean, I'm thinking now of um, several sessions I went to at the last NACI conference where without the concepts, the literacy learning is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. So... Right. You're not reading, moving you're, in space. Not moving in space. Would be being a huge, but you're reading a book about going to the airport... Blah blah blah. Well, I've never been in an airport. I don't know right. anything about an airplane. Maybe there's a picture in the book. Yeah. Right? yeah. So maybe I'm having my, my introduction to what this this is, but I don't I don't have that experience. Yeah, yeah. My ability to connect with that story, to understand, to hang that vocabulary onto something, is going to be much different, probably yep. lower than somebody's ability who's been to an airport and right. has an idea of what the baggage handlers do and all these other things. Yeah, yeah. And that that's. That's where the differences in these people at they see more than one session. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where the differences in literacy learning come into play. It's actually mm -hmm. in your experiences, experiences in the world. Yeah. We hone in on um, you know, conveyor belt, conveyor belt, conveyor belt, whatever. We're teaching you this mm -hmm. word. Right. Well, I don't know what the heck that is. I've never experienced yeah, one. Yeah. That's where right. the actual gap right. in literacy yeah. seems to come into play. So yep. it's it's funny what we do with that mm -hmm. information. We're not right. taking we should be taking kids on field trips. We should be giving them concepts, mental maps of spaces, right, right. experiences in the world so they have something to talk yeah. about later and, and something to understand. And I would even understand. say just the experiences of the movement part. Of the movement part, yeah. Right, of just moving more because right now, giving them those experiences, then they can talk about it. Then they can understand it. Mm -hmm. um, if, forget the talking about it, Just even understanding when right. someone else is talking about something of like, oh, yeah, I can go from this point to this point and I whatever just yeah. that idea that you know the moving around and the more we have kids sit the, even the less experience they get in that yeah and and how maybe i'll say it this way that i i think sometimes when i talk to people about literacy with preschoolers sometimes they'll really focus on the writing yeah and i always think about we'll get to writing and you right. should encourage writing to a degree right but if you're not talking about a conversation you're having with a kid the writing is secondary because mm -hmm you're going to have problems. If they can't communicate a back and forth right. conversation, right. the writing is only going to go so far. Knowing right. the, the phonemic sounds, it's important, right. you know, phonological right. awareness and letter recognition is important. But without the foundation of what verbal communication is, right. 
written communication right. doesn't matter. But you're going, right. this conversation, you're going even a, a step back. Yeah. Without an experience in the world to have a conversation about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, so that's, so I'm thinking like the same thing is true of movement. Like yeah. we need to be a, establishing the foundation of moving around. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to, was it last week or two weeks ago, the flexibility in thinking of yeah. um you know, that being, the more you're moving around, the more you have to negotiate things and be flexible right. with, oh, there is a block building here where I was going to walk. I'm going right. to walk around it. I mean, it's a simple idea in some ways. And yet if we don't give kids enough experience and aren't then telling them, oh, walk around that right. versus them making a mistake, discovering, oh, when I see something, I have to walk around it. Mm-hmm. And and I know that sounds basic, but for all of us who work with preschoolers, we know Preschoolers walk into doors, they walk into mm-hmm. tables, be, and we shouldn't, they should just keep doing that. So their brain's like, oh, yeah, the mental map there, because the mental map starts with the eyes. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I see that doorway there, but I forgot that my shoulder sticks out another, mm-hmm. right. you know, right. four inches or right. six inches, whatever. Right. So I don't know. I, well, like the example of building physical, learn an understanding of physical personal, personal space, you could do it by holding the hula hoop around you. Yeah. And... Matt, you can then physically see this, sure. but but that's still, I think, a layer that's gonna you need an, another foundational understanding of bumping into the tables. Like, what? Am, right, how close right. do I actually get before I'm hitting things or getting that input? Yeah, yeah. And then I go, oh, I need a little bit more space. I need a little bit, right. and then we can work up to that more of because that's a periappropriaceptive, right. Right. right? right. When you're talking about an object you're holding, yeah. yeah. And so that idea of having so proprioceptions for. Uh, the basis, like so, we have to have that first, and then, yeah, building nice. building on the real examples. I think the symbol, as you're just your example, recent, just in this conversation, was letter writing, word writing. That's a far more advanced, abstract concept and symbol used to communicate the conversation or the words you're saying. Right. Which words are communicating the movements of which you're right. using very early on. Right in infancy and in, yeah. in yeah. prenatal when you're starting to just have reflexive movements and then all of a sudden in infancy you go oh hey wait this this actually helps me interact a little bit more mm-hmm. and so i feel like that's where maybe this idea goes from that developmental piece because i'm thinking of going back to books the books that board books that we use for that we show with infants are are not really a story they're right they're textured yep they're there may be an object. There may be right. an object there, but it's just like bunny. Yep, and they flower. don't relate in space. The the story, if we want to talk about you know se- sequence of story content, their stories are all over the place because right. it's just individual pictures, right. which obviously makes sense. But then as we get because that's how their brains working, yeah. Right. Right. Which is to sidetrack is cultural. Right. Our culture is object based. I think. Yes. And some yeah, other cultures yeah. are actually more verb. Based right when yes. kids are really little, and which that would be another interesting yeah. discussion to look at how yeah. that goes because the the one book that as you were showing your example, Mike, I was thinking of Eric Roman's picture book called My Friend Rabbit, which is one of my favorite books because I just love the illustration style. But the yeah. way that it's told is in a sense it's just a really big comic book because right, right. it shows movement and hints to movement because Rabbit will be on the page and then you'll just see Rabbit's tail. Right, mm-hmm. and then they the next page you can see what rabbit has brought in to try right, to get right. this plane that's stuck in a tree. Right. It's a great book, but I think in this way it's very little words, yeah. and the movement very clearly from page to page shows you what's going on, and the children can then go, "Oh, I know what's going on here." Right, 
And I, and I think that would probably work for right. a, a two-year-old versus... Right. right. Well, yeah, and, and I think we don't we don't celebrate that enough. Like, right. wow, yeah. look what it's showing about this. Right. Well, this we don't child stop and think about the amazing scale of symbolic representation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just just to, like really right. just oh, a yeah, moment of true. awe yeah. yes. for like they know that that rabbit tail is the rest of that rabbit that they've seen earlier in the book, and right. they know that mm-hmm. it's off the page. So they have a right. to your point, Mike. They have a sense. Oh, it's up in the air because that's the top of the page. Yeah. yeah. I mean. It's yeah. a pretty amazing feat that our minds right. can that, can do. That you go from that place of like, oh no, you've covered yourself with the sheet. You're gone forever. Yeah. Oh, here you are again. <laughs> right, you've right. come back. That our brain has a means of switching into that. So I think that's where I'm fascinated by just the conversation we're having right now because it's something that pretty much all of us have a journey to go through and it, it, to not... Yeah, I still can't figure out where they go when the sheet goes on them, though. Yeah, it's amazing they come back every time. They do. They're right there. They, but they were gone. But I think there's that just that amazing transformation in the yeah. brain of how, and then the possibilities or the, and the, the capabilities right. mm-hmm. that come from that because yeah. then you get into so much more abstract thinking right. and yeah. knowledge in just a, you know, a few years right. in, in the grand right. scheme Well, what's of funny moment. is we call it, sorry, now. Yeah, I haven't even go. had that much coffee, you guys. Um, we call it abstract thinking. I mean, obviously, because the, yeah, thing, yeah. the thing is not there in front of you. But to a certain degree, abstract thinking is a kid having had an experience that they can talk about that's just not right. there in front of them. It's not, I mean, yeah, adults might be like, well, what if there's an alien? But we're still imagining something that right. we understand, like the physical yeah, yeah. limitations. Of, you know, like abstract thinking is really just saying, I'm talking about something that's not here. And usually because yeah. I've had an experience yeah. right. with it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's not completely novel. It's just... It's really interesting because Barbara Tversky then got into that idea of abstract thought a little bit. And, yeah. and about that, of understanding what is possible and what is... Th- so you're you're mapping it in your head and then you start to think whatever the counterfactual right. side of it of like, but right. what if? But what if we floated instead yeah. of walked? And then what does that look like? But first yeah. you have to be grounded in, so what does it look like that we don't float? Right. What is it that right. we're all, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, bounded by gravity? And once you understand that, then you can like, you know, right. go to that abstract thing. But at the same, yeah. But, and I think that's the thing of we don't, when we think about what a teacher's job is, mm-hmm. and, and I think part of it's the sort of respect thing too, yeah. right? That the younger the child is, the less respect the teacher gets. And it's, I think, because we don't take into like, look what happened. Like these right. children can map things in their head. Right, right. Um, that they couldn't six months ago. Right. You know, like, well, and just having them move around and talking about the movement, it just... This fascinating thing happened uh, this week. I'll let, uh, I'll let us wrap up, but this yeah. it's our first week of school uh, right now, and um, a, a child came who I had met with the parent, but they didn't bring the child when we had our parent meeting oh, yeah, for yeah. reasons of child care or something sure. like that. Anyway, so I'm pretty sure the child had never set foot in our... Maybe he came on a tour once, but... Yeah. So we were out on our playground, and I... I was fascinated. This little boy, he he walked the he walked the perimeter. He found any path. He walked on a. I mean, it was it was like watching right. a it was like watching a video game character just kind of like right. aimless, yeah, yeah. you know, and they just kind of walk around aimlessly because nothing's happening in the sure. video game. And I was like, this is fascinating. You know, but I believe he was mad. Like I've never been here. Right. What is this place? Right. Yeah. I I need I need to map it. Right. You know, and I can't map it unless I move right. through it. And so now. He had you know, similarly yeah. other kids who maybe only been there once. Teachers were like, "Okay, well, did you know we have swings here? Come with me. Right, I'll right. show you where the swings are." Right. You know, they all need this. Yeah, map like an idea of of this. Yeah, of and this then they space. can think about possibilities. Like, I'm heading out the door. 
now I'm now picturing the swings means. I was on yes. and I know they're over the hill or whatever. Right. Versus like, what? You right. know, I could be going into outer space through that door. I have no yeah, concept yeah. of what right. what happens when I go there. So, anyway, so it was just a fascinating thing yeah, in yeah. light of this conversation to watch him do. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing. It's just right. figuring this place out. And he's yeah. not going to settle down until he knows what, yeah. what this is. And I think mm-hmm. teachers do this so intuitively and often don't give themselves enough credit or don't get enough credit for it. Mm-hmm. And even themselves think, oh, but I have to get to teaching now. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, you know, having a child like mapping things in their brain. Yeah. That's if that's not teaching, you know, right. we need to change the definition of teaching then because it, you know, that nothing else is going to happen till that's yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I had no idea where this conversation no. was going. I had no map for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do appreciate the conversation because it was. I found it so fascinating, yeah. and I couldn't even put into words exactly yeah. why is this freaking me out. And then when we were reading books, it's like, wait, the kids are doing it with this too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got yeah. a whole new way of looking at yeah. picture books yeah. Yeah. for yeah. children. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs>